Welcome friends to the Someone Gets Me podcast. I am your host, Diane Allen, and I am so delighted that you're here. This podcast was created because I believe there is a visionary leader inside each one of us who is waiting to be seen. In each episode of Someone Gets Me, you will hear useful tips from successful visionaries who will share their stories about how being seen has allowed them to take their vision out into the world with action. How to deal with change and transition in a new way. Welcome everybody to Someone Gets Me. I'm Diane Allen, your host, as you know, and I have an expert with us on dealing with transitions and moving through life in a more effective way. Dr. Karina is coming to us from Los Angeles, California, and I've met her through lots of different connectivity in our, on our circles business-wise, and the last time I had a conversation with her, I hung up and went, wow, I really got to have her on the show to talk about things in a way that you might not be thinking about. So you'll see her bio in the show notes, and I'll have her tell you a little bit about herself. But what's really important right now is just give yourself some time for you. Go get some tea or coffee, get a pen, maybe in case you want to take notes, and sit back and listen and allow what we talk about to land on you in a way that serves you and helps you feel more connected. After all, someone does get you, right? So welcome, Dr. Karina, to the show today. Hi, thank you. (laughs) I'm so excited you said yes, because I so want to ask you tons of questions. But I thought first, if you would give all the listeners and myself a little bit of of background. Who are you? How'd you get where you are? And and then we'll go from there with all my list of questions I have. Sure. Um, There's a million ways I can answer that question. And the things that pop up right now as you ask me... um, to share with you guys is I've always been, well, I've always thought of myself as a global citizen. Mm. Um, You know, I didn't grow up in one place. There was a lot of moving in my childhood. And I always felt really connected to the natural world and spent an awful lot of time outdoors and in the mountains and in nature. And the way I learned to kind of navigate life and go through transitions, this is the topic of today. Maybe this is why this answer is coming out right now in the way that it is. Mm-hmm. Um, is because of all these different changes that kept happening in my environment and in observing my nervous system and how it responded and some of the skills that I gathered along the way as one change after another after another happened and I sometimes face planted horribly and other times went through it gracefully. You know, I I got to learn all these different, all these different ways of being. And the biggest thing that I realized was that I don't have a choice, but to follow my heart. So in listening to, to what I call my inner wise woman, um, you know, and her voice is sometimes a whisper. Yes. Um, Yeah. What I, what I realized was that, she was pushing me toward uh, getting into integrative uh, medicine. So um, I started to study uh, energy medicine and yoga therapy. I added in Chinese medicine and functional medicine. And I've always been so curious about humans and everything that I had to navigate. I I was studying psychology for a long time as well and, and the realm of human consciousness. So Finally, they all came together as integrative uh, healing, integrative medicine, which is what I currently do. And it's my 
work and it's my passion and my purpose. Wow, that's I love integrative medicine. Explain a little bit about what integrative medicine is and like your mindset. How does that work? Because not everybody I think is familiar with the term or they might think they know what you're talking about. And I think it would be helpful if they knew exactly what you were talking about. Yes, thank you for that. Um, so it is kind of a new term. And it's, you know, as I recall what my brain had to go through when I was studying <laughs> and what had to happen inside of my, my neurological wiring, um, the restructuring, the incredible shifts that had to take place um, to accommodate what were often polar opposites, completely different paradigms. Um, Western philosophy, Eastern philosophy, sort of like a linear, you know, deductive reasoning approach versus pulling stuff out of thin air and just responding to intuition um, and kind of bringing it all together. You know, I realize I, I have a lot of appreciation for the complexity of it, and it perfectly mirrors the complexity of uh, a human being. In essence, we are part physical, we are part emotional, we are part mental, we are part spiritual. There's an mm -hmm. animal part of us, there's a, you know, like a divine part of us. Right. And they all combine in our little bodies <laughs> in this incredible way, you know, and the only way that we can truly um, evolve, live fully, and ultimately heal if we're dealing with some kind of a, a disease process or, or a life trauma um, is by addressing all of those components and seeing how they interface and making those connections um, among those different realms of the physical, the spiritual, the mental, and the emotional. Yes, it's, that's really cool because I have a model that I use for my clients called MEPS, which is mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, and social. That if we're not connected to others that are like us, um, then, then there's a failure to thrive on some level depending on the amount of disconnection. So, so integrative medicine is basically saying yes to all those different areas and seeing the beautiful elegance of how they come together for our own health and well-being. Yeah, you know, and I think of it as this kind of like a wheel, like a bicycle wheel, and it has all these spokes, mm -hmm. and each spoke accounts for a different uh, aspect or a different um, parameter of, of our being, and each one of them is an access point. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a, there's a place where we can intervene to affect change and to either unblock something that's, that's keeping us blocked and stagnant or to nourish and supplement in a place that's a little bit deficient and lacking in resources. Mm -hmm. Because ultimately we want that wheel to be turning forward. And I like when you said failure to thrive because that's um, sort of a common manifestation when something's out of alignment or something's not quite getting addressed in that integrative model. You know, we might get really out of balance. Somebody might be training really hard physically and eating great and doing everything they can for their body, but they're not connected spiritually, and so they reach mm -hmm. a plateau and a point, and thriving sort of pauses at that moment. Right. It's like the ceiling that they create for themselves without even really paying attention if they're only looking at it from one angle. Exactly. And so it's that 
I call it like fluid viewing. You know, it's yes mm -hmm. to all of it. Like how, how, not only how are you doing in each area separately, but like with each one of those spokes, it's how are they working together or are they working together yeah. <laughs> at all of those things so that the wheel can actually turn, you know? Yes. And not be all warped and turning different directions. And <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. There, there are times where I think my wheel is that warpy, wobbly one going, Wah! and other times I feel like I'm on a racing bike, like I'm smooth and sleek and everything's flowing. And I yeah. think that's part of the human drama. But when you're talking about that wheel, I just keep thinking, oh my gosh, I have like all these different scenarios going through my head. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. So um, one of the things that I really wanted to ask you about that was a curious when I was meditating about this interview earlier is the whole idea of change. And it's most people that I run into here and there, I don't think it's, I don't know that it's most people in general, but maybe it is, think that we have to change when we're forced. Like we wait until we get a diagnosis, then we, then we have to change. Or we wait until we're injured, then we have to change. Or we wait until we lose a partner or something, then we change. And I keep saying, well, can't we change before we have to, or can't we keep supporting the system to keep evolving so that we don't get to that blocked, nasty place, you know? And mm -hmm. what is, what are your thoughts on that? Do we have to get to the place where we have to change in order to change, or is there another way? That is such a profound inquiry. Um, it's true for the most part in terms of being human, we tend to change, as a species, we tend to change when the pain of not changing becomes greater than the pain of changing. Mm. And that's really important to understand because a lot of people are pain aversive. We don't want to experience the discomfort, the vulnerability right. of shedding a skin. Um, of looking at our stuff, at our patterns, at our shadow, and addressing it in such a way that actually uh, honors our past experience. And, hi puppy. <laughs> and not only that, but brings a lot of compassion to us along the journey. Mm -hmm. um, so this is one of the places where people get hung up, and this is what I see a lot with, with right. patients and clients, um, that there's almost this uh, necessitating force of discomfort that mm -hmm. forces the change, right. and then, you know, people go through it in the way that they go through it, sometimes with their hair on fire and just fighting <laughs> against everything. <laughs> and the answer is yes, absolutely. We can sort of take the reins and be in the driver's wheel of our lives, of our ever unfolding lives, because change is inevitable. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely inevitable. It's guaranteed. And we can either be passively responding to what comes up. And sometimes that's also inevitable. Sometimes there's something that's coming out of left field from the unconscious circumstance. We all have blind spots and we're supposed to. How can we possibly see everything all at once? So once in a while, there's this, oh my goodness, awareness or insight or mm -hmm. something that kind of throws us that can serve as a, um, a catalyst mm -hmm. for change. Yes. And the more we make a point to um, 
have kind of a conscious and intentional engagement in the unfoldment of life, mm-hmm. the more we can anticipate those uh, changes coming mm-hmm. um, intuitively and tune into them and allow them, allow this greater unfolding to take place. And that becomes the difference between pain and suffering. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there might be a little bit of, or maybe a lot of bit of pain associated with going through, you know, some kind of a transformative process. Um, but it can be really welcome. It can feel, or we can have the perspective um, sort of of celebration and opportunity. Mm-hmm. Like, ooh, this is happening for me. What is life trying to show me? Where is it trying to take me? It's an adventure. Right. It might be unknown, but I can't wait to discover Yes, and that is the difference, you know, between people who suffer, they just get stuck and they stay there for whatever reason. And we don't have to look at it that way. We could look at pain, which is just our separation, as as a great avenue for, I think it's amazing because sometimes when stuff starts coming up, I go, ooh, that, that feels funny. And then when I stay open, all kinds of epiphanies and awarenesses happen. Mm-hmm. And it's really kind of amazing. Us humans, we're we're really cool. I think humans, <laughs> I think the majority of humans um, miss how really fantastic we are as spiritual beings and human beings and biology and our diversity and our neurology and all of it. Like, I just think it's so fascinating. It's like, how, how can anybody look at it just from one angle? It makes no sense to me. Yes, yes. You know, like, there's so much to discover, so much to... yes. To, re- to be revealed. Yes. And, and, and exciting. Yes. I think to me, it's very exciting. I'm, I'm a geek that way anyway, but it's like, wow, another cool thing I get to learn about. I love it. So I deal with people that have a lot of um, neurodiversity in not just their brain function, but in their, in their entire nervous system. And a lot of people think neurodiversity is just about um, being on the autism spectrum and all that. That's not what I'm speaking about. I'm speaking about different kinds of overexcitabilities and sensitivities. And so I, we, we know that transitions can be tricky, and especially for people whose nervous systems are wired maybe a little differently. And I know that you are excellent at helping people deal with transitions. So my question that or inquiry, I guess is more like it, has to do with if somebody's listening to us right now and they're going, yeah, but I have a hard time with this change thing because I don't know how to go from one thing to the other. Like I want to change, but I'm stuck here because I'm really afraid of how I'm going to get there or that kind of thing where the transition scares them as much or more as, as the process. Mm-hmm. Do you have any tips or any ideas or maybe some things you could suggest so that people can kind of make friends with transitions a little bit more and change a little bit more than just making it so hard on themselves? Absolutely. And there are multiple parts to this response. Um, I want to start by asking the listeners to imagine a, um, like a terrarium. And in this terrarium, there can be maybe some lizards or, you know, some frogs or something like that. And the terrarium is the context and the environment. Mm -hmm. So what do the critters in there need to thrive? They need ample heat. They need humidity. A lot of, well, unless they're a desert lizard. Um, You know, but let's say they're tropical lizards and they need uh, plant cover, adequate 
food supply, soil, light. Um, there are all these different components to the environment, to the context. Mm -hmm. So when you think about the context of transition, I want to bring up the idea of archetypes. Mm -hmm. And one archetype that is so incredibly poignant in helping us navigate transition is that of the teenager. And when I say archetype, this is a, um, this is a, a term coined by Carl Jung, um, very, very incredible um, psychologist. And, and he was, uh, his psychology was very informed by Eastern philosophy and spirituality. He worked a lot with symbolism and dream interpretation. And his idea of archetypes are these different um, sort of mythological figures or energies that make up the world, make up the collective conscious, and make up each individual human being. So the teenager, you, know, you think back to your teenage years, that's a whole huge period of being in transition. There's, there may have been moments here and there, but basically the whole teenage experience is about being in that liminal space of that floating space between having been a child and becoming an adult. Mm -hmm. And the teenager requires quiet time and time alone to be with him or herself. Mm -hmm. The teenager requires gentle guidance because teenagers as we know are incredibly their egos and their self-esteem is very very fragile and a lot of gentle compassion and encouragement um, the understanding that it's okay to be confused in fact it's one of the requirements <laughs> and um, you know this this idea of uh, it's right to challenge authority, to challenge the status quo, and to muster up some courage to kind of bravely venture into the unknown. Mm -hmm. So many folks who are um, afraid of transition, what they're afraid of is not knowing what's on the other end or not knowing all the steps, and that's actually part of it. You're not supposed to. Oh. So... Letting go of this notion that I have to have a plan and I'm going to follow it exactly. That, that's not discovery. When you go into the woods, eh, okay, sure, you can hike, you know, from point A to point B and everything is mapped out and perfect, and you miss a lot along the way. Um, and it's sometimes, you know, that's what makes for really difficult transitions when there's a lot of, I want to control exactly what this process will look like. Well, you don't know what's trying to unfold not all of it anyway so how about allowing it yeah you're reminding me of of a conversation i had with a friend of mine who's who's very gifted and and we were talking about making some change in this person's life i don't remember the content but i remember saying so you just have to trust what's emerging and allow it to kind of lead you because there's so many options and things and it's exciting no matter what it is and this person put their hand in the air and went yes but it has to look like this this this, this. And I'm like, no, and, I, and it was that big moment and we were in a restaurant and I said, see, that's how come you're making it hard on yourself because you're trying to, to exactly script each step and how it's going to look and what it's going to be. And what if there's something more magical waiting for you 
that you're restricting yourself because you're staying in this limited little area. And it was making it very hard on this person, like that in that moment in their life. So how, how could somebody help release themselves from that urge, maybe that habit or that addiction even to trying to control the outcome all the time? And then I think it kind of undermines their, their success. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I want to address the shame piece because, um, a lot of people who, who respond that way, they may have their own shame about that response in themselves. Mm -hmm. And it's important to understand that there's a reason they're doing it that way. There's, there's, I, mm -hmm. I want to say, let's, let's do away with the shame around control because we're, right. we're wired to control. There's a reason, really good reason for that. Right. The reptilian brain, the hind brain is, you know, sort of the victim of thousands of years of evolution <laughs> where it's, it's, instinctive it's it's response is unconscious it's it's hardwired in to um look out for danger and to kind of plan ahead and to stabilize and we can work with ourselves by having compassion and honoring that part of us that actually is very supportive and helpful and helps keeps keep us out of danger and oftentimes it's just not the appropriate time for it to be activated and, and, and utilized. So, you know, this desire and this kind of um, mm, instinct to try and control is understood. It's important to honor it. And once there's this understanding and honoring, there can be a conversation with that part of you, mm -hmm. perhaps asking it to take a back seat. And, you know, I do this regularly, waking up in the mornings, I check in with some of the different parts, like, okay, who's active today? Who's operating today? <laughs> right. If that part is up, if the inner critic is up, um, if the taskmaster, the controller is, is really wanting to take over, I say, well, hey, um, I'm in charge. I understand you have something to contribute and I want to listen to what you have to say. So, and perhaps we have a conversation and that part can have its input. And then I say, okay. And what I'd really like to do is take a look around and acknowledge that I'm safe and you're safe and we're safe. And maybe even do some grounding exercises. Maybe get my feet on the ground, on the earth, bare earth, do some breathing techniques and really, really get a sense of my body being safe. So it all starts, all the wiring, especially all the neurological wiring, right. it all starts in the, in the physical. And once the body is safe, then there can be an accountability and a conversation with that emotional part and with that mental part. And the conversation can look like, you know, that part of you, that wise part of you, maybe the higher self, some people call it, um, can sort of guide the others and lead the others on your journey of discovery rather than your journey of rigid control. Mm -hmm. You know, surrendering and kind of letting go of that part is is it doesn't happen like this. You know, it requires having a relationship with that part first. Right. Exactly. We have to, I always say we have to make friends with all the parts of us so that then we can kind of say, okay, well, who gets to 
work when, what's going to happen, and what's the flow going to look like. Because just, just because there's control doesn't mean anything's wrong or bad. It just means that maybe it stepped out of line. Maybe we need to hold on a second here. Let's do this. And then you can, you can have your say in a minute. And that gives us so much more freedom of choice and way we respond to things. So do you think curiosity helps people? Do you, th do you think that if, if they can maybe get a little bit of that extra, I call it like that Sherlock Holmes curiosity questioning, um, do you think that that helps people, especially in an integrative model, kind of break free of like maybe some of the old belief systems or things in their blind spot that they don't know are even there maybe? Yeah, that's key. That's key. Anytime I start working with somebody new and I'm, certain you do this as well. The conversation is like, hey, we're on an adventure and we're going to solve this puzzle or we're going to figure out this puzzle. And it's about exploration. So curiosity is an incredible you know, resource and tool because what it does is it offsets any shame about transition. It offsets any fear because when there's curiosity, the part of us that's alive is our heart and a different part of our brain that's wired and geared toward exploration and kind of wanting to know what's, what's happening um, rather than being stuck in that part that's spinning the same loops of trying to define what's happening, which is only happening based or which is only informed by past experience. Yes. And we're going into a new experience, into, into something that we haven't, you know, felt or seen or thought about before. Um, so that it doesn't serve us to uh, kind of place the uh, parameters of old paradigms, of old ways of being onto, you know, that kind of new and unfolding story in our lives. Right. It's like the, it, there's a mismatch in there. Yeah. Doesn't it? It doesn't go together. Mm -hmm. Even if our, even if we want to try to fool ourselves into thinking it does. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I have, I have, wait, I have tons of questions in my mind because this is a great conversation because I think that so many people, like almost everybody I run into in my work, especially, are like, I hate change. I don't like change. I don't do transitions well. I work with a lot of twice exceptional gifted people and transitions are particularly difficult because of the neurology. There needs to be that rest in that time in the middle and a pace that might be different than other people to allow the body to kind of catch up. So I know that you probably teach people how to help soothe themselves, how to make it through. Like if they're feeling all jittery in a transition, do you have any suggestions for everybody of, that of things that could help them just quiet maybe or soothe themselves a little bit if they're feeling agitated or ramped up or anxious, you know, they maybe want to change, but they're scared. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So regulating the nervous system and the limbic system are very important, uh, uh, is, is a very important part of kind of successfully navigating transition. Mm -hmm. And I, I do want to underscore, you know, something you just said is that it looks different for everybody and it's yes. supposed to, yes. it's supposed to. So, you know, first of all, stop looking at how somebody else goes through transition um, because it's going to be different for you mm -hmm. and regulating the nervous system and kind of calming the jitters. So the jitters, first of all, um, excitement and fear, register in the same exact way in our bodies. 
when we're excited and when we're afraid, we have the same exact physiological response, a rapid heart rate, sweaty palms, foggy brain, narrow vision. Um, and having an element of curiosity and just that cognitive awareness mm -hmm. that, oh, perhaps what's registering as paralyzing fear is actually also excitement. Mm -hmm. So understanding that. Right. Then moving in and using the body, we have this incredible tool. We have the mind, which we get to use as an ally once we know how to work with it. And we have our body, <laughs> which is also an incredible ally once we know how to work with it. And, you know, soothing practices like Qigong, meditation, maybe doing some self-acupressure. There's a couple of wonderful points. For example, I'll show you like right up here in the ear. There's a little point right here. And if you just push both of them and maybe use an essential oil like a lavender or bergamot. That's a point that down-regulates the jitters, <laughs> so to speak. It, it kind of calms down the nervous system response. Um, and gentle exercises that work more on the energetic plane, um, such as Tai Chi and Qigong, they're actually designed to direct the energy in our bodies because whatever's coming up, whatever those jitters are, that's a resource. Yes. That is that is my energy, and I don't want to waste it. I don't want to suppress it and just say, okay, you just sit in the basement. I don't want you. And I don't want to just expel it and throw it out and go to the gym and box it away and, you know, right. then, okay, I feel calmer, but I've thrown away this incredible resource. Right, right. So there's a way to channel and harness and cultivate that energy so that it can be used to fuel the curiosity, to fuel the creativity. And in the practice of cultivating and harnessing all that energy, what we're actually doing is building our capacity and container for being able to sit with difficult feelings. Like physically sit mm -hmm. with something that may not be very comfortable in the body or in the mind or, or in the heart. So physically I'm, being able to sit without trying to medicate or distract is, yeah. the goal, is the goal eventually. Yes. And the reason to do that is because within that is the gold, is the treasure, okay? Um, and to support that, again, getting, you know, getting into nature is the rule number one. We are electrical. We are very, very electrical. The same way there's a grounding cord um, or, or the you know, in, a, in an outlet, mm -hmm. there's the three. The right. bottom one is the grounding one because the electricity needs to be discharged into the earth. Otherwise, things go, you know, jittery and they blow up. Get all wonky. <laughs> yeah. And we're like that. The human being is like that, especially somebody who's got a lot of mental activity, somebody who's wildly creative, somebody who's, you know, got all these, you know, ah, just inability to sit still or to focus on one thing for a long period of time or for any period of time. This is especially somebody who's got a lot of electrical activity going on in their body. And literally putting bare feet on the earth helps to discharge some of that excess energy while facilitating the kind of grounding and cultivation of, of the resourcefulness mm -hmm. of some of that energy that's, that's running through the body.
I think that your point that you're bringing up is very important about resourcefulness of the energy, not trying to block it and shut it down mm -hmm. or just blow it out and then it's gone. But to understand that it's really our friend and we really can use the energy in whatever form our brain wants to interpret it as in our favor. Like, you know, if we, like if you're feeling all afraid, it's really the same as, you know, as happiness or joy and excitement. So shift it in your mind so that you can use the energy in a profitable manner to benefit you versus using it as an excuse to stay stuck. I remember when I first made that discovery, um, I was studying Tai Chi with a, with a teacher mm -hmm. and he was this incredible, incredible human being um, who would guide me through, you know, some of these exercises. And I just, I remember my palms burning up. I remember my entire body feeling like it was on fire. And I was like, listen, Peter, I feel like I can go over there and yank that oak tree out of the ground and throw it over that building. <laughs> what do I do with all of this? We need to discharge this. I can't handle it. And he said, just simply looked at me and he said, you harness it, you store it. Mm -hmm. And that just blew my mind. It was revolutionary. And I was like, how do you do that? He said, okay, so bring your hands together like this and just place them below your belly button on your abdomen, close your eyes mm -hmm. and imagine that there's a storage container there and put all that energy into it. And the storage container will keep that energy and it's intelligent enough to know that you know, when you need it, it'll be available and it'll be available in the right way. Ah, that's beautiful. It was really simple and profound. The effect mm -hmm. in my body and the wisdom of that teaching on right. my life from that point on was, um, you know, it allowed me, like the next time I felt that kind of energy, whether it was because I just had a really good you know, Tai Chi or workout or because I was really, really angry about something that happened in my life, I took whatever that feeling was and I was like, oh, this is my resource. Look at what I generated. I just made this. Yes. You know, like apple tree just grew some apples. Mm -hmm. These are right. this whole thing. <laughs> and I had this place to store it. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then where our being is intelligent enough to know when to use it and how to use it in the most effective resourceful manner for us. Mm -hmm. So our brain doesn't have to hold on to all of it and manage. It just knows our being just knows. And so therein lies huge transformation. Like that day for you when that landed and, you, and it clicked, changed everything moving forward. So that's, I have another little story about that. Because oh, I want to hear. Everything, everything you're, you're saying just, you know, prompts the next kind of association. Um, so that, that, that requires cultivating a new relationship mm -hmm. um, with that. First of all, wrapping my head around the idea that there's a part of me or there's a knowingness within me that has wisdom and that will know what to do with that energy at the appropriate mm -hmm. time. That required um, a paradigm shift. Yes. That required cultivating a relationship with something bigger than me. Um, and this is in the realm of spirituality. And, you know, it required a period of testing because I wasn't going to trust that at first. 
<laughs> All right. right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's not something that we can trust until we've built a relationship with it, like anything or anyone else. You meet somebody new, you're not necessarily going to trust them. And then when you go through life together and you have experiences together and perhaps you have a bad day and you share yourself with them and your vulnerability and you see that they've responded to you with kindness and compassion and, and were supportive, that builds a bridge, a relational bridge, so that the next time you have a bad day, this is somebody that you can really relax around because you know they're going to be supportive right. and, and hold right. you. And so it's the same um, relationship building that's required with mm -hmm. that inner part mm -hmm. um, that has that wisdom and that ability to, to guide and utilize energy in the right way at the right time. Yes, that's so, so important. And I, I'm sitting here and I'm listening to you and I'm like, and we're not talking about multiple personalities or, or voices in our heads in that, not really. <laughs> in that illness kind of way. What we're talking about is different archetypes living within the same being and different parts of us. And the only way to really use language is to make them a thing <laughs> in, order yeah. to, in order to point to them. Because sometimes, sometimes it's obvious and sometimes it blends. But to realize that we are so multidimensional and there's so much complexity and simplicity and elegance and all of these things and the answer is yes to all of it that that to me is where the excitement is which is why when i the first conversation i had with you i hung up on it i was like yes yes <laughs> it's so true it's it you know it's just it's magical when when mm -hmm. we realize it and we get out of our own way mm -hmm. i'm i'm glad you said that um diane because you know really it can feel um crazy to have internal dialogue and to be talking to another part of self. Mm -hmm. um, you know, people have a hard time talking with their plants or their pets sometimes, let alone parts of, parts of self. And absolutely, this isn't about multiple personalities. This is about integration, in fact. Yes. And realizing that when we are fully aware of our wholeness, that that wholeness is made up of all these different parts that we can have a relationship with. Right. I imagine it like a beautiful mosaic or lots mm -hmm. of facets. Always, they're always connected, but always moving in different ways. And we learn and see and explore. And when I'm listening to you, that's what I'm seeing in my mind is all of the moving pieces coming into more and more harmony. And that's what the whole integrative medicine part is. It's bringing that more and more alive and more and more, together in harmony that's that's how what i'm seeing when you're talking and i'm looking at your screen and behind you is that beautiful picture which has which is it looks like a quilt or, or a tapestry is, made up it, of all these different parts it's it's a quilt that i actually quilted and, oh wow. and i i um put it there because i wanted something pretty behind me and i'm like i don't like the plain wall and no no so and i love sailboats so i I, I just just finished it not long ago. Well, it's beautiful. And all those little pieces of fabric are different, but they come together to make that whole picture. Yes. And that's so, just how, how we're wired. That's how we all are. So if somebody's listening to you right now, which I'm sure there are, and they're going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Their brain is trying to fight off the idea that they don't have to be stuck in this suffering misery place. Or they're saying, oh, oh my gosh, she's speaking my language. I need to know more. I need to take the next step. What would be a good first step for somebody to learn if they wanted to, to just put their toe in the water of understanding that there's more going on than they think? Um, 
Can I ask a clarifying question? Certainly. So do you want me to respond to the person who's um, either skeptical or confused by all this or the person who, to, for whom everything's kind of lighting up and making sense and um, is wanting to actually do something uh, the, about that? The, the person who is listening to you and going, oh my God, I have to know how to talk to Dr. Karina. I'm going to go in the show notes and find a way to contact her because she is speaking to me in a way I've never heard. And they're, they're excited, but yet and like with that, now what do I do? <laughs> sure. Outside, well, outside of calling you or calling me, now what do I do? What would be something that they, an action they can take to say, yeah, you know, I can, I can see kind of what she's talking about in, in a real sense. Well, it's going to be different for every person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, what I would encourage you to do is listen and start to listen and start to have a dialogue and conversation with your inner voice, with your inner mm -hmm. wise man or wise woman. Mm -hmm. And explore what that looks like. And that's going to be different for everybody. Yes. For some people, it's an actual conversation, like there's voices. For some people, it may be a very subtle sensation in the body. For somebody else, it may be in the form of circumstances or events mm -hmm. in their lives that begin to guide them. For other people, that inspiration and insight comes through dreams. Mm -hmm. So my invitation to you or to those folks would be to start tuning in to the ways the infinite possibilities of ways that the universe and your inner world wants to communicate with you. Mm, that's beautiful. So the common denominator is a sense of deep listening and it varies based on how we hear it mm. or how we receive whatever that would look like. Mm -hmm. So start to listen it and pay attention and then that will guide you to the next step, to the next step, to the next step. Mm -hmm. Allow. And as you allow, take notes. Journal maybe. Huh? Yes. Or give it creative expression. Drawing can sometimes be really helpful. And it's mm -hmm. not about drawing something so that it looks like something in particular. Mm -hmm. It's about seeing what ends up on the page. And yes. sometimes it looks like nothing at all. Yes. And that's okay. Knowing that the very process of having... Um, externalized it, gotten it sort of out of your head, out of, the, out of the realm of the imaginal into the realm of the objective or the physical, that allows optimal distance from something that, you know, it's like the fish in water. If it's consuming you, if it's in you, you're in it, you, you don't, you, you're a fish in the water, you don't know you're wet. Mm -hmm. But when you take it outside of you, then there's this ability to get some objectivity and to look at it and to formulate a relationship with it um, that can be really informative and really a remarkable resource. Oh, that's amazing. That's a really, really good tip to do. I am. Um... I do that. I have little pieces of post-it notes and paper everywhere. When things come through, I'm writing them all down. And then every once in a while, I pull it up and I go, I have no idea where, what it relates to. And other times, it reminds me of something really profound. But it's always an adventure. That's a, I really love that, that suggestion. So as, we're paying, as I'm paying attention to all the time you're, you're so freely offering us, with all your generosity and your wisdom, is there something 
on your heart that you wanted to share that I haven't asked you about yet? Or something you're moved to share right mm. now just because? I'm, I'm tuning in and listening. So what's coming up is um, a lot of gratitude for this time and this opportunity. Mm -hmm. This time and opportunity to speak with you and this time and opportunity on this planet and the incredible shift that we're in the midst of as a collective, Mm -hmm. as humanity, as living beings. We're in the midst of a colossal paradigm shift. And I want to acknowledge that that can sometimes look like chaos. And this is, you know, kind of like what we talked about in the very beginning when there's a lot of fear around making changes because it can be scary and painful. And... You know, you think about the process of a snake shedding its skin or a butterfly breaking out of a cocoon. First it was a caterpillar, then it gets all wrapped up really tight. So there's a lot of contraction. Or the birth, the birth of a child, there's contractions, 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 passing through this dark tunnel, not knowing what's on the other side. And yet there's this inner spark of faith, hope, strength, knowing that Regardless of circumstance, I have a center core and I am who I am and I am okay. That caterpillar is like, all right, so I'm going to, you know, come out of this and have wings now, but I am (laughs) stable at my core. Yes. Regardless of circumstances and regardless of what, you know, trials and tribulations I have to go through to weather this transition. So the only thing I wanted to say was that I really honor this time for all its complexity. Yes. Beautiful. Beautiful. So if you've been listening to Dr. Karina and you're going, oh my gosh, she's speaking my language, or I have more questions or I'm curious, all of her information is in the show notes. Not only is her full bio there, but links to connect with her and follow her and learn more because she is a mighty force for positive change. And I've listened to everything she said, and I can't wait to hear the show again. And I will probably listen to it again because there was so much wisdom in what you had to share with us today. So I want to thank you for being here. And I have one final question before we close. That is, if you were going to have a billboard that the whole world was going to see with your message on it, what would your billboard message be? (laughs) somebody's already done this and we can include this in the notes because I would love for people to see this. Um, Love. It would say L O V E love. Love is the opposite of fear. It's the antidote to fear. Mm -hmm. Love is what allows us to thrive and to really open up to all our experiences. And there's somebody who's already making these love billboards and putting Putting them them everywhere. Right. (laughs) And so I want everybody to realize that 
Karina's, Dr. Karina's love billboard will be her own unique, cool energy <laughs> because that's the way it is. So thank you very, very much for being on the show and blessing us with so much wisdom and so much insight, so beautifully articulated, because I think that change and transition are very kind of touchy subjects sometimes, and it gets people often just kind of almost defensive, but when you even hear the word and the way you unpack things and the way you explain things was, was profound and landed comfortably on the body. It wasn't something that was difficult. So I'm hoping that everybody listening to us is having the same kind of experience and I'm sure they are. So thank you so much. You're so, so welcome. Thank you. It's been a profound pleasure and honor to be with you today. Thank you so much, Diane. And thank oh, you, you're, you are so welcome. Now remember everybody to keep your face to the sun so the shadows fall behind you because you're a rock star. You are here on purpose with a purpose. So Let's go out there and breathe into the excitement of the world and allow ourselves to live fully and live well. Until the next episode of Someone Gets Me, be well. Thank you for listening. I trust you gained some valuable inspiration and information. Please join me and other visionaries in the Someone Gets Me Facebook group. Or for more information on my services and additional episodes, visit someonegetsme.com. Again, thanks for listening.